1: Welcome in, welcome in. It is the 8th of February, Thursday morning. It's time for an episode of Broncos for Breakfast. I am Nick Kendall and joined by, as always, Scott Kennedy. Scott, we made it. You're kind of feeling a little tired. I'm feeling a little tired, but... uh, we're going to still get that show out there for you. And we're here Thursday talking a little bit more draft. Obviously, a lot of Super Bowl stuff going on right now. But I am so disenfranchised by the Super Bowl, so tired of the Chiefs, that uh, we're gonna just going to keep focus- looking forward. Not uh, not inward, not current, but uh, forward with the draft. Maybe we'll have some reflection closer to this uh, after the Super Bowl. But for now, excited about the draft and everything to look forward to. Let's say hello to everybody in the chat here today. Jeremy Sean says, morning, boys. I'm thinking about quarterback at most likely at 12. Defensive tackle or offensive tackle too. So he's saying tier one would be quarterback, tier two would be defensive tackle and offensive tackle. Depends how the board falls. Also says there's a few edge rushers that might be attractive. Yeah, we'll get into it. Uh, U.S. Dave says that's what makes the most sense. So I don't see it playing out that way. Of course, love that. Uh, we got Gatorade Gaming saying hello, Nick and Scott. What's good, Broncos country? We are just living life, trying to survive. Gatorade Gaming also says we need beef on the defensive line. Absolutely. I mean, Scott, you can go back to June last year. And we're both like going over the depth chart for the first time, being like, "Oh my god, this is terrible." <laughs>
2: yeah, you did <laughs> you did that do? for me. You're like, "Hey, have you really?" You know, we were live, and that was the first time. So you got like a gut reaction on that. You're like, "Have you really looked at this defensive line?" I'm like, "Oh my." You're like, "Yeah, yeah." I was I was with you on that. You know, the the Broncos for breakfast is coffee, 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 but it's also trenches, 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 yeah. and the, the the Broncos just went into twenty twenty three undermanned on the defensive line in the, in those, uh, that three man front, they were just light, you know, and, and, and really ineffective. And it went again, I I hate to keep picking on him, but when, when Jonathan Harris is one of your starters, you're in trouble. That's, that's not a good thing. You know, I was ready to cut him two years ago in the preseason, let alone have him be one of your starters. And to be fair, as the season played on, you saw him getting less and less and less but it's not like another 300 pounder was coming in that you drafted and was just taking over a spot. You were just having to reshuffle your lineup and how things were playing out and getting lighter in the, in the, in the box. You need, you need some beef and Gatorade gaming. The good thing I think about that is, is you can really, you can find those guys third, fourth round that that can come in and really help you. And in free agency every year, there's always veterans. Uh,
1: on the tail end that can come in for, you know, one or two year contract that can help that room. And to be fair to Mike Purcell, Jonathan Harris, uh DJ Jones, they're all, I think, rosterable guys who can play good roles, but I think they're all like, should be your fifth or fourth best option where they're like the Broncos second or third on the interior yeah. defensive line. So,
2: well, uh, and just, then the, the one of the guys you were counting on had a really poor year, you know, DJ yeah. Jones should have been a guy that you could build around. It's like, okay, well, we're solid right in the middle you know, now we flank him with Zach Allen and, and we'll, we'll limit, um, we'll, we'll work around, we'll shade stuff over, we'll pinch guys in around Jonathan Harris when we have to, but then DJ Jones really had trouble. And, and, you know, maybe he's definitely, I won't even say maybe he's more of a complimentary guy. I want him as a four, three defensive tackle. I don't want him head up over the center where he's taking on double teams. Every time I want him sliding, you know, one way or the other, but the DL is, is big Gatorade gaming. I, I agree for sure. And you sh- I was a little surprised it wasn't addressed more often during the season. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, we plucked this 320-pound guy off of so-and-so's practice squad just to try and get more bodies in there. They did bring in Richard Lawrence, uh, I think former. But it wasn't, I every week.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was not good. And the other thing is the the dresser room, no real difference makers there. Uh, you got a lot of good complimentary pieces. But, heck, I wouldn't be surprised if the Broncos ended up trading one of those final year contract guys and Baron Browning or Jonathan Cooper, uh, just to reset the contracts there and see what you can get. And, uh, yeah, it's a, they they definitely need help up front. Uh, we got Gary Palmer saying, good morning, Nick and Scott. If tight end from Georgia, Brock Bowers is available at 12. I would take him. He is best player available. Scott, you might be a little, I'm curious your perspective on this because you have seen the, the fallout of taking a tight end that doesn't work out. And with a top pick, but 12 is obviously different than four. And Bowers is a different player than Kyle Pitts. Uh, Mm -hmm. So any thoughts on Bowers at 12?
2: I I like it. And I'm going to start saying, I I would just ask this of you, Nick. When we say BPA, let's just start saying best prospect available. Let's see if we can make that a thing. Best player sounds so definitive. Like, oh, he's the best player available. Well, he probably won't be. But prospect gives you that doubt that we understand Mm -hmm. that he's still a prospect and there's doubt involved best prospect available would I take him at 12 yeah I would I, I would and uh, I think there's a big difference between four and 12 and again where you where you feel about your quarterbacks because you know I'm starting the more the more I think about it I'm just like you know who is the most of other than the top three quarterbacks who is the most plug and play ready of the quarterbacks that you could come in and and start with right away? And for me, that's Bo Nix for sure. Bo I Nicks. think he's the most the most pro ready guy. And do I want him at twelve to come in and start competing right away? And does that does that give more of a spark for Broncos country? And what good is you know? I won't say what good because Jarrett Situm's not a bad quarterback, but he'd be a bottom third starter in the NFL. You know, does Brock Bowers help him? Because it is a complimentary position. You know, what what good is a pass catcher going to be for me if I don't have the quarterback? Well, maybe I can get the quarterback next year. And then I've got this weapon, this, you know, Travis Kelsey-esque type of weapon. I mean, he's, he's a phenomenal. He's arguably the best player in this draft, best college player in this draft. So I could I could see him at 12. I could make a really, really strong argument to Broncos country for why this was a good pick.
1: Yeah, the big thing with me with Bowers is he's not the exact same type of player as Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts is a little bit more of a long strider, more of an X receiver to the tight end spot where Bowers is more of your F tight end type. He's a little bit smaller. He plays a lot of slot. He also plays a lot of H back and there's a lot of good reps there in line. Uh, He's been the highest yak tight end three years in a row, which matters to me, especially if you're getting to the checkdowns and working tight end screens or anything somebody who can do stuff after the catch. I mean, he's not fully a tight end. He's not fully a slot, but he's he's really twitchy, uh, good at the catch point after the catch, despite being small for the tight end position, really blocks pretty darn well. So I don't see him being similar to Kyle Pitts. And also I think the conversation between pick four and pick 12 is drastic uh, as well. There's, I mean, think about how much it would cost to move up from pick 12 to pick four. There's, there's a big value difference there. So I'm not against it. Uh, one big negative for taking Bowers at 12 is that you take him and he ends up being one of the top six highest paid tight ends in football out of the gate where if you take an edge rusher, a wide receiver, a tackle, a quarterback, they're going to be of like the 30th to 40th highest paid player. And for a team that is as up against it in cap uh, issues as the Broncos are, you're not going to get as much financial benefit if he's just a, average hit at the position you know he needs to end up being a perennial pro bowler to probably justify that 12th overall pick but if you believe in him you know at the end of the day you just got to get good players and difference makers so if you believe in him then that's that doesn't matter uh but it needs to be part of the overall consideration when you take a non-premium position that early in the first round
2: yeah and at 12 i'm again i'm okay with it i i, I would be i wouldn't be surprised if he was higher than that um how is pitts working out for atlanta not great uh it may have gotten arthur smith fired but he was a pro bowler his first year and had a the second most yardage ever when he had an accurate quarterback with matt ryan and then he got hurt uh but he wasn't playing he, he got hurt late in his second season uh but he had marcus mariota who you know wasn't a very accurate quarterback there's questions about his work ethic that i don't think you're gonna have with with brock bowers so he's got two more years of control but th- that team wasn't set up to take advantage of a pass-catching tight end. You could, you might want to say the same thing, but I, I'd say the Broncos' offense is in considerably better position right now, Broncos, period, than the Falcons were two years ago. It was a really stupid pick two years ago for trying to win any games in the next three years, and it cost Arthur Smith his job. I haven't heard you
1: say that the pitts pick cost Arthur Smith his job, so that'll be uh, interesting maybe oh, I've, you've
2: heard me say that their, their very first decision mistake. to not go quarterback uh at number four and, and not taking Justin Fields and and cost their job. You say, well, Scott Justin Fields, they might not have been any better. okay that that I'll listen to that. I will. Mm-hmm. But if you had gone quarterback at four, you still if you lose all those games and you miss, Arthur Smith might get another shot with another quarterback. Say, okay, well, they took a shot here at the quarterback and they miss. Let's give them a shot with another quarterback. Instead, he was so arrogant. He's like, we can do it with any quarterback. Passed on quarterback, then went to Mariota, then put all his eggs in a third round pick. And that decision to bypass the quarterback ended up costing him his job, in my opinion. I think he would have gotten a mulligan one more year if if he had taken Justin Fields and they were, let's say they, they, we need to get another quarterback. Now that's fine. I think he would have gotten one more year and mm-hmm. they had taken a shot at a quarterback.
1: Interesting. Interesting. We'll see uh, what happens here with the Falcons. And of course, Kevin Gray comes in and says morning, Nick and Scott, big mile high salute. Uh, Zach powers comes in and says, uh, is everyone becoming bored with Florida state edge rusher, Jared verse, since we've talked about him for two years now, I feel like he's the only three down edge who can play outside linebacker and defensive end. I think that you can get some Dallas Turner still defensive end stuff there. I know he's lighter, but there's going to be certain packages where you can do that. I think he's a much more, uh, staunch. Is that the right word? Uh, edge setter than like, even though he is smaller, you know, uh, than a Nick Benito, even than a Baron Browning. I think Cooper can do some good stuff there, but, uh, he is definitely more of a, you know, two point stance, you know, wide pass rusher linebacker edge rusher type. Uh, but I think, I think he's salty enough and physically gifted enough where he can sit there and hit, play the edge as well, just because he brings so much, the speed to power, the pop that he has behind his hands when he gets out of his stance, despite being, you know, a 240, 250 pound edge rusher uh, is pretty good. So I think he's one as well, but yeah, Jared verse big thing with him is, I think he's going to be a really good, consistent, you know, high energy player. He's got no bend Scott. He's got no flexion. He can't really turn that corner very well on the guys who you can have a lot of value with the guys who aren't really benders. At because they can still create disruption, but they have a hard time finishing plays a lot. And we see it. It's that last step, that bend, that ability to get around that arc is the difference between good and disruptive to perennial Pro Bowl
2: and greater a lot of the time. Well, you know who I never get bored with, Nick, is Little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL. They know football fans love a great game and a great deal. So they're tossing out a challenge and calling it pick six for slices and sticks. If there's a pick six during Super Bowl 58... Fans who accepted the challenge on the little on the Little Caesars app will get a free slices and sticks. Period.
1: Yeah, we've partnered with NFL legend, longtime Tampa Bay Buccaneer Derek Brooks, uh, because he knows all about the pick six, having returned one during Super Bowl 37 against the Rat Bag Raiders, as my dad likes to call them. Uh, they play, the play led to a 44 yard touchdown and a win for the Buccaneers. So accept the challenge today with the app and win some pizza.
2: Um, again, if you had, you would be in a better position now than where you are just because the Russell Wilson, just fallout. because of the Russell Wilson trade, if you had drafted Justin Fields, you wouldn't have sent all of those picks and the contract to Russell Wilson would not have happened. Would you have won any more games? Maybe, maybe not. You haven't won enough anyway. You know, it's, a, this is a conversation that Nick and I have had a bunch of times about the value of PS2 and the value of a corner. And PS2's had three different coaches, you know, so as good as he's been, he hasn't really elevated the Broncos. As Nick has started saying, which I like, I'm going to start crediting him and saying is the corner is kind of a closer. He's kind of the cherry on top and not necessarily a building block. One of the differences is, though, is Pat Sertan. Let's throw that out of there because that's a whole butterfly effect thing if that Mm -hmm. happens is Pat Sertan still has a lot of value. You can trade his value has actually gone up yeah. you could trade him for higher than the equivalent of the number nine i believe is where you took him agree, you could yeah. trade him for more than a nine you could get a first round you could get two first rounders out of it or so, it would be nine but you've already used three years of control which is yeah a but it was a good benefit. but it was a good it was a good pick you know we yes. talk about you know get good players keep doing that pat sertan was a good pick The butterfly effect of would you have been better off if you took Justin Fields? Yes. Let's say he works out in Denver. But if he doesn't work out in Denver, you wouldn't have made that trade. You you wouldn't, you wouldn't have done that. And and that trade and all of the players and resources and everything. You can say you can use the whole word capital on this one, Nick. I'm just fine with it. Yeah. Because it's players and money and draft picks, all of those resources that went into getting Russell Wilson instead of maybe sticking a year with Justin Fields have hurt your team more than if Justin Fields was just a flat out bust and you didn't have Pat Sertan. You definitely would be in a better position
1: going forward uh, because you'd have significantly more flexibility and avenues to add to the team where you're, you're up against it uh, with the Russell Wilson trade. And I keep saying it on here. It's not just that the Broncos, you know, are lacking draft picks this season or the draft uh, or the salary cap, but you're missing two years of premium picks that are typically guys that are becoming the lifeblood of your team at this point. So, uh, you know, top 100 picks, you gave up four of them, five, six, I mean, the Sean Payton stuff too. So you're missing a lot of what really makes good teams in the NFL. Now there are exceptions. Of course, the Rams have been able to, they they, made, they just made, they're going to make their first, first round pick since they took Jared Goff, which is Unbelievable. That's really an exception, uh, though. It's kind of like Brock Purdy or Tom Brady, you know, being the late three, day three draft picks at quarterback and being good. That's good good for them, not typically how it's done. So, uh I don't know. It's, it's tough for the Broncos, no doubt. Uh, Michael Ronquillo says, good evening, Nick and Scott. Good evening. Oh, man, I knew I slept in, but I don't know about that. He said, good evening, Nick and Scott on Broncos for breakfast. Go Broncos. Thank you so much, Michael. We appreciate you coming in. We also got yeah. Ruben says, field stinks to so stop. Look at his number. He is not good. We're not disputing that. It's the yeah, butterfly. You're missing the point. That,
2: that, yeah. That's not the point. Um, the fact is, is if, <laughs> you know, let's take this one more step. Okay, he stunk and now you'd be in the top three again after three years of him and have a top three pick, and you'd have a team that would have multiple first-round picks and a buttload of salary cap space. Would you be better off right now? So it's like, you know, because, you know, Zach says we've been much – the defense would have been much worse with Pat Sertan if he wasn't there. Yeah, of course. So what? What have you won in the three years with Pat Sertan? What if you had been worse? Your your team would have been better off – with Justin Fields because of the effect that would have happened down the line. You wouldn't have traded for Russell Wilson. That's the point. That's the you point. Would have, so you would have been be worse better off if you hadn't years. traded Russell Wilson, even if you didn't have fields or Sertan that that's yeah. the point.
1: Yeah. I think it's pretty easy to say that you would have been worse the last two years on the field, but your prognosis for going forward from this exact moment in time would be significantly
2: better. Maybe that... you you maybe it wouldn't worse. Think of the players I still would have had and, yeah, and the draft picks I would have had to be able to put around and build more of a team. That's true. You never know. Uh, you never but... know. But the point yeah. is, is forget it. let just assume you would have been worse. You'd be yeah. in a better spot right this second if you had drafted Justin Fields.
1: Very, very possible. Uh, so very I'm not possible.
2: debating who the better player was or who the better prospect was. It's it's beside the point. That's That has nothing to do with this discussion. Pat Sertan, yeah. like I said, Pat Sertan's value has actually gone up since he was drafted. Fields hasn't. You know, the, the Bear spent two first-round picks on him, I believe, and then maybe even a little more to trade up and get him. So, you know, his value has gone way down. That That's not the point. And going back and revisiting all this stuff that doesn't matter is kind of a waste of time anyway. <laughs> yeah. And
1: maybe if you have Justin Fields. You bring in a different coach than Sean Payton. Keep another first round pick. Maybe you go after a uh, Shane Steichen who's been awesome uh, with the Colts after once. I mean, who knows? There's just, it is the butterfly effect. Uh, finally get into hypotheticals though, as we are very much in the off season, JD eight zero one says morning Broncos fam, Cheyenne Wyoming in the house. Good to see ya. We got uh David Yonkin saying 2026 before we're competitive. We'll see. Um, we got uh, Kayleon Green saying, yo, hope you're doing well. Hey, yo. Black Power says, is Chubb a decent comparison to Verse? I think Chubb was a much better prospect uh, than Verse over, overall. Um, more developed with his hands. I think he had more flexibility. Uh, Verse reminds me a little bit more of a, maybe a lesser Ryan Kerrigan, uh, just because I don't think he is as... Inevitable as Ryan Kerrigan, uh, not Ryan Kerrigan. Um, my guy George Karloftis, kind of power, uh, based oriented. I mean, just an explosive player when he makes contact with guys, but not a lot of bend, um, and not the most lateral, uh, agility there. But can be a good player, and I think that's probably the range. I think probably you're talking, fifteen to twenties where he probably should come off the board. But you never know. It's a, it's a not a good defensive class this year at the top, at least. So somebody might be uh, reaching a bit on an edge. Lauren Cerveris says the Broncos need to work on consistency by sticking with players for the long run to develop with the team. I mean, they kind of have done that with a lot of guys, right? Uh, that's one of the things that we're going to have to maybe pull off the band-aid. I mean, Simmons has been here for a lot of years. Bulls has been here for a lot of years. Sutton's been here for a lot of years. We'll see if those guys are here much longer. I mean, obviously the Broncos, it's probably best for them in terms of value. If they can work out a new deal for a lot of those guys, because you're probably not going to get massive trade influx back but that means the players have to accept it maybe they don't want to so uh, it's a it's going to be interesting about sticking with players for the long run the ones that have been here already
2: every team turns out about a third of their turns over about a third of their roster every year it's contracts it's draft picks it's salary cap it's talent so if i can if i've got a guy that's about average in his fourth year, and I can replace him with a guy that's about average in the sixth round, guess what? That sixth round guy's coming in and and, and taking his spot. So, you know, the competitive balance is going to make sure that you are moving guys around constantly. So, you know, I don't think the Broncos have done anything any worse or better about sticking with players. They just, you know, and, and again, I think there's this fallacy that on a long enough timeline, everybody is going to become who you think they can. Man, that that's a bad way to think. I mean, it, we see it, I guess, probably the most with you know the quarterback position. Well, if they'd only stuck with Drew Locke, he would have become this. Well, how can you say that? You know, most guys aren't good enough. Most guys never become this this guy. There's what 15 good quarterbacks in the NFL out of 10 that get drafted every year in the last five years. We're talking 60, 70 quarterbacks that just flat out aren't good enough. Putting them on a longer timeline doesn't mean they're gonna jump into this top 15 echelon they're just they don't have it it's there's nothing wrong with that i mean it's not that easy dude no (laughs)
1: I think there's that false belief that, uh, you know, the more starts the, a the players deserve chances. That's one. That's a false belief in my opinion. Also that progression is linear. You know, the more you have, the better you get. No, that's some guys take jumps up immediately. Some guys f- have a good season and then fall back. Progression is anything but linear. And sometimes there is not progression uh, at all. You know, a lot of guys, especially if they've had a lot of uh, snaps in the league are uh, in college or whatever, you know, kind of, maybe closer to their ceiling. And a lot of it also is fit from personnel to scheme that matters so much. So it's a tough, uh, evaluation. David Cremello come in and says, do you think Broncos prefer a non alt offensive tackle over Fashanu?" I haven't heard anything in that regard. So he's talking about the offensive tackles that might be there for the Broncos at 12, uh, seems like the NFL draft media has Joe alt definitely out of the range for the Broncos. Um, but Fajano seems to be falling a bit. Uh, Fuaga seems to be a potential option there. And you still have the very talented options of Tyler Guyton from Oklahoma, uh, J.C. Latham from Alabama, and Marius Mims from Georgia, uh, as well as options for the Broncos if you're looking offensive tackle. I think probably they'd have Fashano the highest, but you never know. I mean, if you're looking for a little bit more positional versatility and, you know, core strength and the ability to shock guys with power. Maybe you prefer a Latham or a, uh, Fuaga over a Fashanu. If you want that pure pass protector, left tackle type, then you probably like Fashanu, but there's a, so many different flavors at offensive tackle in this class. It's a deep one too. There's going to be a lot of guys in the top 60, I think come off the board. I wouldn't be surprised Scott if we had 10 offensive tackles in the first 60 picks, uh, in this one. Uh, but, I think it does fall off pretty drastically after there's like a line and probably at about 60, 70 where it falls off. Uh, But for the Broncos, I mean, it could be a number of guys. Uh, I have heard that uh, the jets really love FUAGA um, from Oregon state. So we'll see if that uh, ends up being true in the end. It's that time of year where, you know, doubt everything, but uh, yeah, Broncos, a lot of questions, a lot of options if they do want an offensive tackle. And if that, that becomes much more of an amplified question, if they do end up moving from Garrett Bowles, which there has been, gaining steam out of
2: Dev valley that's a possibility yeah it makes again i I, there's so many questions in here um you know because i want i want to hit on this with david what he says david thank you for the super chat my friend does was the early hype for the penn state guys uh you know a little premature because it seems like all three of them it's like oh they're really falling well maybe they were just elevated too quickly And we're talking about offensive tackle Fashano. We're talking about edge chop Robinson. We're talking about cornerback, Caleb King. I think uh, Chop's going to go to the combine. Kalen.
1: Kalen. Okay. Kalen King.
2: Um, We're talking about those three guys who were super high. They're really falling. Well, maybe they were just early, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe they were just early to the evaluation process and now they're settling back into where they belong. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: Yeah. It's, I mean, very possible. I think that, uh, Scott, I went back and watched it. The, who's the other edge rusher that was at uh, the Senior Bowl from Penn State? I, I see the tools there for that guy, man. Adisa. Yeah, I, I, Isaac uh, Adisa. Adisa uh, Isaac. He, yeah, I know that he wasn't the most, you know, refined at the Senior Bowl, but he's got some juice and uh, measurables to him. Yeah,
2: Adisa I, Isaac. He was six four and and three uh, and five two hundred and fifty pounds, thirty four inch arms. I saw Adisa, some pretty Isaac, good reps um
1: he, i'm i'm imp- i was impressed by him uh, i also think that he and chop robinson are going to have awesome combines so i wouldn't be shocked at all if chop goes somewhere in the top 25 and uh isaac goes somewhere in the top 50 uh but i don't know how we got down the penn state edge rusher path here but uh we oh, got well, just, you
2: know talking just penn state i brought that back into with yeah. those guys because i remember you talking about them early and it's like you know oh they're really falling what happened well maybe maybe they just hit the board early that that's mm-hmm. all you know we I had to deal with that all the time in recruiting. And I actually started doing percentages like, well, we've got 300 guys ranked and he was the fifth. Well, now we've got 2000 guys ranked and he's the 15th. But percentage wise, he's now in the top instead of the top third with only 15 guys at his position ranked. He's in the top 5%. and He's actually worth more. It doesn't quite work like that with with NFL draft, but maybe he was just early, early to early to the board. And I wanted to roll this into Lawrence's stars comment. He says Sean would love to tank for picks, and this kind of goes back to the discussion we were having about where would you be? Where would you be if you didn't go on that six and one run? Was that bad for you, the team? You know, or because we were at the point. Remember, I've said it a bunch of times. After the Jets game, I was ready to burn the whole thing down. Would you have been better off if you had? You know, right now, if you had moved Bulls, if you'd moved Simmons, and you got four more draft picks and you've already cleared the salary cap room, you know, or, or are you now in that same position where maybe, maybe not we're kind of in that. I feel like we're a little bit in that limbo phase where purgatory. you're not quite sure into, into uh purgatory we're mm-hmm. in, we're in, we're in team building purgatory right now, Nick.
1: I mean, we might be in team building hell considering the cap and draft picks and lack of young emerging players on the roster, yeah, but
2: you're an eight and nine team with a decent squad and you can still, you can keep the base of that squad and still add to it, but is it going to be enough while those guys are still good? Or do you do you again? Do you I don't bail? think you can keep
1: the base. I don't think you can because of the cap issues that you're up against. You're going to have to take away somehow. You're going to be paying Russell Wilson the same amount to be here or not be here. So I don't know if it is the same. Um, in the end, I also think again I've said it on here. I think that eight wins was a little bit fortunate last season. I think that was a six win team that coached, turnover, lucked, injury, lucked their way to two more wins in my opinion. Uh, so, and you know, luck there's just sometimes that's the game of football, right? Broncos don't win the Super Bowl without a little bit of luck. Right. When the back uh, eight years ago, whatever it was, I don't know. I don't think Sean could tank for picks. I don't think that's in his blood. I also don't know fully Scott. I agree with you in terms of the overall avenues and flexibility to build the team, but I do think there is something about a new coach coming in and, establishing himself and getting belief in his players and coaches and okay what we do here works the buy in so i don't really believe in momentum carrying over year to year uh but with a new coaching staff being established if the team would have you know absolutely stunk this last year after you know tearing it down and let's say you end up with the the 6th pick you still problem and you still can't trade up because the teams in the top 3 don't want to move down does that really improve you that much uh, i mean you'd have a better pick you'd have a better chance at a blue chipper no doubt but Again, six to twelve. I think if you look historically, probably not a huge, huge difference versus you know top three to twelve. So I, I don't, I don't know how that plays out, uh, but certainly a possibility uh, that they would be in a better position. Michael when we Ron- talk about is-
2: trades, Michael Ronquillo comes and he says, "I think Justin Simmons is worth a second round pick." I don't. Um, I think he's worth more of a fourth or a fifth. However. If you start trading Justin Simmons, this is a a building point that I've wanted to make, and I I don't think we've had a chance to really talk about it here, Nick. I I made it with Zach on Sunday. I kind of had an epiphany that he's probably worth a fourth and a fifth if you were to trade him straight up because of his contract. One year left on his deal, and it's expensive. It's a big money deal. But if you start unloading guys like Justin Simmons, like Garrett Bowles, Like Cortland Sutton, that is a signal to the rest of the NFL that we are rebuilding. And therefore, the salary cap, available salary cap space doesn't matter because I'm not going to be able to sign top-tier building block free agents anyway. Not without spending over the cap, you know, more spending more than market value. I'd be spending a premium. There's no reason to spend a premium on guys in a rebuild. So why not take that money? Trade, okay, Justin Simmons is worth a fourth or a fifth because his contract is so expensive. Okay, well, we're going to send you Justin Simmons and we're going to pick up $10 million of his contract. We want a second back. So it's not just Justin Simmons because, okay, what's he worth as a player to a team that's on the verge of becoming something like the Detroit Lions? They could be a safety away from a Super Bowl. They would be worth paying a premium. But you're going to have to send them some money to get to buy that pick up or to buy another pick Here's a fourth and a fifth. You just bought one. So we talk about salary cap relief all the time. But if you start unloading these guys, you don't need salary cap relief because you're not going to be able to spend on free agents anyway, Nick.
1: The one pushback I would have on that is that you can roll over cap. So if you create a lot Mm -hmm. of space and the Russell Wilson
2: dead cap hit for 2025 is going to be, what, 45, 48 million? Nick, that's that's an excellent point that I kind of forget about when I'm talking about this, but would you be better off rolling cap over, or would you be better off getting more picks? It's a decision you'd have to make, or a combination of both. I'll pick up 5 million, you throw me a fifth. I'll pick up 10, you throw me a third. So is it more important to give yourself flexibility to add free
1: agents a year from now, or is it more important to get draft picks, uh, and how how much higher are you getting picks uh, for this season? That's that delicate balance where it's going to be tough, um, no doubt. It's uh we got uh, BLD coming in says is the top of the offensive lineman in the draft worth the 12th pick yes uh top guy is not going to be there on the offensive line they'll go how many gonna how be... many
2: offensive linemen go before 12 do you think two? I would set
1: the over under at 1.5 okay um so I think there's a I would probably take the over on that too I don't think it'll be three there's a chance it's three uh, I think in the end there's going to be some defensive players that work their way up in the end a lot of times you see offensive line especially the top tackles in a typical year fly off the board from pick eight to 20. Uh, well, that's like the sweet range for those guys uh, historically. But uh, I could see that happen. Uh, we said He says, move back a few spots to get a second round pick and then take a quarterback the late first round pick. Everything's on the table. Scott, I went back and watched Bonex. I get it with Bonex. I don't see huge upside with him. I have a big issue with his ability to hang tough in the pocket. I feel like maybe it's just a coaching emphasis for him, but like there's he leaves so much meat on the bone I feel like because he's just getting rid of the ball as soon as he possibly can, versus you know actually climbing in space and looking to extend plays with that way in pocket. It's something that you know, like I I watched a good bit of Vikings this year. I don't know why, but like watching Kirk Cousins' news <laughs> healthy, it's like my God, he's not an athlete, but like how much time he buys within the confines of the pocket and the structure made me so envious compared to what we had with Wilson. And unfortunately with Nick's, I just I didn't see that. He had like the lowest time to throw in the NFL or in college football, least pressures. Maybe it was a coaching emphasis. I don't know, but I need somebody who can actually, you know, play like the matrix
2: within the pocket, you know, dodging the bullets and still getting it off. But and, and that's, that's him, an ideal quarterback. For him, what I see is really good accuracy, enough arm, good first reads. Okay. That's all good for what the Denver Broncos need right now. I think they would really like good first reads. Game. Good first reads. What do you mean by that? Because I typically would say a good first read is a win for the scheme and not necessarily I, the quarterback. Basically pre-snap. pre-snap. So okay. you're going okay. I see what the defense is giving me. I know where I want to go with my first read. That that's what I mean is is okay. being able to pre pre snap reads. I guess would probably be a better way of putting that. Okay. Um, and saying I think he does a really good job of of surveying the defense and saying okay I know what my first option is and then getting that out quickly. That's all good for a Sean Payton offense, and I think he's really really good at that, uh, along with his intermediate to short passing accuracy. That's why I think he is the most pro ready guy uh, to come in and, and and play in that to, to play. Now, is he going to drive the ball downfield? Is he going to stand in the pocket and again, make the big play? Is he going to be an explosive play quarterback? I don't think so. I, I don't, yeah. I don't think that's going to be his game, but you need a hell of a lot more consistency and, that, and that's what you're going to get in Bo Nix.
1: Yeah. I think he can come in and be competent. I think you're not going to get the benefit. You would typically have a rookie quarterback contract because of the dead cap you have. I mean, if you look at team building, you've already allocated so much money to the quarterback spot. That's going to be the dead cap hits that you need Bonex to be at Russell Wilson or better level, which is possible. I, I just don't see it with the 12th pick uh, with his talent. I think I'd probably rather, you know, bring in a Jameis Winston, a Jacoby Brissett, a Jimmy Garoppolo and then draft JJ McCarthy at 12 and hope on the upside because I'm, I don't view taking quarterback Scott like normal baseball, you know, just get on base by any means necessary hit by pitch bunt. Now I think quarterbacks for me, especially in the AFC West where you're at, I've said this before. I think it's a home run derby. I would rather flame out spectacularly and stink and then be back at the top uh, two years later where I have an option versus, you know, just being, competent and stuck in purgatory with just a guy who's you know an Andy Dalton quarterback who is good on that first contract but my god if you si- if you sign him to that 40 million a year second contract good luck especially against Mahomes i and that's unfortunately where see nicks is i've been wrong before right we we've, we've yeah. all been wrong on that, that could yeah, i remember
2: one of the one of the first things you ever we i remember you talking about when we started doing this three years ago was you know Andy Dalton was a really good quarterback on a rookie contract in the second contract, he starts eating up into resources. Speaking of eating, how's uh, this? Is Grandpa Kendall coming in? Welcome in. Thank you for the super chat. He says, Hello, guys. How's his little man doing?
1: Uh, he was a little stinky uh, last <laughs> night, unfortunately. Uh, he, uh, yeah, he did not let us sleep so well. So, pretty tired. I'm uh, hoping to get off work and take a nap whenever that's over today. And unfortunately, he timed it perfectly where he needed to be fed at. Four thirty, 30 and it took about 45 minutes. And then it's like, okay, I can maybe get 15 minutes of sleep or I can get the show ready. Uh, so probably on, you know, three hours of sleep right now, but that's, that's life. Some days are going to be like that. Um, but uh, he's, he's doing well. He's it's crazy. He, he came in pretty small, uh, cause he came in at 37 weeks and his, some of his outfits are starting to not fit. It's just, it's like he keeps swimming in these and now we're five weeks today. Uh, and, uh, he's he's expanding uh it's so really he's eating cool. it's good it's, it's
2: really cool i'm happy for y'all i'm happy for both the kendall's here both papa kendall's here um yeah. thanks thank Dan. you looking forward to meeting you one day help nick i'm looking forward to meeting you nick and i have never actually met face to face
1: i know you want to get out here and backpack with me sometime and get lost in the get lost in the mountains there's a... i do
2: and the thing is time moves so fast for me these days it's like okay i've got a ninth grader and a seventh grader i'm like okay i can I can wait four years. Don't be out of the house. <laughs> it's, like, yeah. it's like, it doesn't seem like anything. I remember when a quarter seemed like a long time in college. I'm like, ugh, it takes forever. Now it's like, oh, four years. I can wait for that long before I lose my mind because they're not cleaning up the house. I'm like, whatever. I'll outlast them. A couple of good questions in here that I really liked. Um, Zach Powers had one. He says, when do we expect Russ to be released? Was it, was it March 5th? I think when it was 5th. It- yeah, then the, the fifth day of the new league year, which starts on March 1st, is somewhere in there, Zach. It should happen within the next month. We should hear something. And then uh, Pearl Heater asks, says, Would would Patrick Sertan be worth two first round picks? Yeah, I think so. You know, maybe not, you know, two, maybe not the Bears one and eight or one and nine, wherever they, they are, but yeah, a couple of back end guys. And you know, I don't I don't want to go by the exception to the rule because I don't know if a corner has been traded that got the haul that Jalen Ramsey got. He got a haul. You know, mm-hmm. oh, you should expect to get at least that right. Well, maybe. You know, well, think of what the Vikings paid for Herschel Walker. You should get that for a running back. No, no, no. You know, these, are, these aren't these are all the same. But Ramsey got a huge trade when, when he was traded. I think it was a couple first-rounders and then some. I do think that first,
1: first rounder was like pick 26. So that's well, a, that's a pretty low first rounder. That's, I mean, you'd take, it would take two 26 to get up to 12, if not more. Right. So that's, I think that first pick that they got was not incredibly high uh, for him, but yeah, I think you've had less issues with Sertan. Uh, he's a younger player. And I think that I would, it would be the Jalen Ramsey trade plus or the Jaguars to me. Or the Rams. Yes, it was.
2: Okay, because he's been traded since then.
1: Yeah, and he had a lot of issues with the Jags, um, coming up there. So a little bit more of a problem player, uh, for Jacksonville before going to the Rams. So I would exp- yeah. i wouldn't trade
2: him for anything less. October, um, 2019, two first-round picks and a fourth, is what they traded. And Sertan's more valuable than than Ramsey. I think he's so. younger and he was cheap and he was he was still cheaper, and so, yeah. just not a headache. Not yeah he's, yeah he, he's more valuable now can you get that we'll see it depends on who's buying it's you know it, it's a buyer's market as a seller's market so again that's uh we will we'll have to see on that one um but yeah i think you could get two first rounder picks or at least the equivalent of you mm-hmm. know a first and two seconds or, or whatever somewhere in that that uh that line, that neighborhood. Lawrence says, Man, you guys in the morning with silver needle tea definitely hit the spot. Sounds good. I've gone through my, uh, my lion coffee already this morning from Patrick. So glad y'all are, you're hitting on that, Lawrence. We appreciate you being here with us. Thank you for the stars. There's some big boy stars today. So thank you, Lawrence. We, uh, we appreciate the support that you always show the show.
1: And we got Phelps coming in here saying, Don't know why, given the current state of the Broncos roster, more people aren't calling for George Payton to be let go. He has made nothing but bad decisions since he's been here as the general manager. I mean, it's, yeah, you start to be looked down and it's like, man, he also did that. That stunk too. I mean, I was, I saw Randy Gregory get interviewed. I'm like, Oh man, that contract really stunk terrible. for the Broncos. I mean, I guess I'm glad they didn't sign Chandler Jones, but uh, that one stunk. Obviously the Russell Wilson stuff, the Nathaniel Hackett firing, I mean, hiring there's, there's enough there that it'd be easy to say, move on from him. And I know I saw an interview with Tom Pelissaro the other day talking about like if George Payton was moved on from he'd be snapped up in 10 seconds, but, not a uh, well-kept secret that uh, George Payton and Tom Tom Pelissaro gets a lot of direct information from George (laughs) Payton. That's uh, one of those, uh, you know, who's feeding you stuff there. And Pelissaro has been an insider for George Payton stuff since the Viking days. So that's always one where it's like, okay, well, we know where this is coming from and it's kind of fun to hear. It was interesting to hear the interview though, too, as I think it was on, it might've been a Troy rank. I don't remember. I, you know, somebody out there in radio row, uh, uh, not, Whatever they're covering the Super Bowl down there, but you can hear a lot of stuff from Pelissaro that was like very obviously slanted from the general manager, uh, Broncos front office side of things. But there's always multiple sides. It was fun and interesting to hear the Russell Wilson contract stuff uh, and approaching him this season through Tom Pelissaro, which is through the Broncos front office. Uh, but worth a listen. It might Trey Troy Rank or Andrew Mason, maybe. I, I don't remember who it was. I'm sorry. I wish I could give credit to who had the interview. Uh, but yeah, I
2: think George we Payton have. There, be there's hard. been my answer to this. My quick answer to this was: there's been a lot of talk for George Payton to be gone. In fact, in fact, I said last year I was surprised that he was still retained here. when Sean Payton was hired. Yep. and then I was asked midseason. I don't. Do you think he'll be the 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 general manager come 2024? I said no. Now I'm done guessing. Yep. So you know, I, I still feel like I'm still surprised he's there. So, you know, does it happen? When does it happen? Will it ever happen? But no, Phelps, I'm I'm surprised he's the general manager of the Denver Broncos. With a new guy coming in who was going to have full power, Peyton may not want to stay there, was part of it. And then usually a guy wants to bring in his own guy. Kind of when we first started this, Nick, when Peyton came in and had a two-year losing coach And uh, Vic Fangio, I was surprised that Fangio was there for a third year. Usually that guy's gone as soon as a new general manager comes in. So Phelps, I'm surprised he's there. I will continue to be surprised that he's there because there's definitely enough going on to – there's enough mistakes, enough fireball mistakes in there for sure.
1: And I think that it's still very possible that after the draft this year, typically the front office – F- hiring and firing cycle is different uh and it's a little bit later uh so after the draft this year we'll be on george payton firing watch uh the broncos did hire w- hire away uh Cody Rager uh from the to the newly created vice president of player personnel position from the saints that could be nothing that could be you know starting to get your guys in here and maybe you have a move after that uh that is the conversation but topic today i know scott you wanted to run a mock as well here so we got to move As far as the Broncos at 12, I think right now there are three positions that uh, I think are the most probable at 12. Right now, it's quarterback, of course. If you have Bo Nix or J.J. McCarthy fall there and you like them enough that you're shooting your shot there and it's probably the guy that you're rolling with the next two, three seasons and bypassing other first-round options, then you probably take that shot. I don't know if I'm convinced enough on those quarterbacks to do that. Maybe I'm a little bit of a chicken you-know-what because the Broncos took Paxton Lynch and then didn't move up for Watson or Mahomes. Didn't take Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson. We had Paxton Lynch on the roster. Well, God bless. That sucks. I uh, could talk about it, a sliding doors uh, moment there for the Broncos franchise. But quarterbacks won. After that, I think it's offensive tackle, just given the talent we talked about there at the position, the conversations and rumors about Bulls potentially being gone. And the one I think that is probably outside of quarterback, the most probable, if you're staying at 12, is probably edge rusher. Why edge Broncos need defensive tackle more. They need at some other spots more in the immediacy, but it's the second highest paid position in football. The Broncos do not have a up and coming starting caliber edge that I really feel confident. I think Benito's good uh, niche player. You have Cooper and Browning on the final years of their contract and the Broncos just, let's be honest, Scott, they sucked so bad at getting pressure with four last season. They pretty much had to become a blitz only team to get pressure. And that's because you just didn't have enough winners up front. Contractual value, positional value, impact edge rusher lines up for the team. Even if, even if it is a year early, because you can get by with Benito Browning and Cooper next season Two of those guys are gone. So if you like a guy enough right now, you take him. It just makes sense with where the team's at and with how a roster building goes.
2: Yeah. I think right now you're talking about, um, Quarterback edge, as far as one and two and needs, unless Garrett Bowles is gone, then I go quarterback offensive tackle edge, as far as your needs go. So, you know, we'll go into this kind of assuming what the team is the team and uh, not necessarily think that, you know, you're, you're planning for the future with an offensive tackle and then edge is the number two need. Uh, Troy, coming in with a, a nice Broncos orange super chat. So, thank you for the show. Is Atlanta going to take the fourth quarterback? I don't know. I really have no idea, Troy. What the Atlanta Falcons are going to do? They've basically said hey, we're going to explore all options. It was it was really funny listening to Arthur Smith in Pittsburgh and listening to uh, Raheem Morris and Terry Fontenot in Atlanta. Neither one of them mentioned the existence of Desmond Ritter. It was like he was just gone. Oh, we're going to explore every option to find our new quarterback, our next quarterback. I mean, and they never once mentioned Desmond Ritter as an option. So they're in for quarterback, Troy. But I think the Falcons, they might try and solve it before the draft. And there isn't a quarterback I really want at eight. If I was the Falcons and and Raheem Morris, At eight, and you're saying, okay, you have to take a quarterback. I would bet on the long term. I think Raheem Morris is a little bit more patient as far as how how long it would take, you know, to get a guy in and go. And I would go with a with 21 year old JJ McCarthy over a 24 year old Bo Nix. So I would go McCarthy in that. But I think they're going to try and explore free agency trades. So I don't know what they're going to do really it's going to be uh it's going to be interesting because they're up there at 8 they've got more resources and they're in for a quarterback too so the the denver the atlanta falcons are going to be a team to watch for the denver broncos
1: yep all right so let's run this uh, simulator scott you're on the back end here i do think that there's still a chance also for the broncos to take a if you're talking 12 specifically a cornerback or a wide receiver are also possible. If they are the best player on the board, the Cooper, Dejean, a Arnold a Keon Mitchell, a Toledo guy, or, or one of those top uh, four pass catchers, maybe one of them falls and you're like, well, you know, we need what pass catcher. I know that's a little bit more of a, not the initial building that you need on a team, like the trenches, but you need good players at the end of the day. So we'll find somebody else elsewhere. Uh, but Right now I, I'm with you, Scott. I, I think defensive tackle would be on the board. And you know, I've been a big Byron Murphy guy on here for a bit. I'm like, I don't understand why Byron Murphy's not higher than Johnny uh uh Newton, and all of a sudden we see that being the case in the draft community, which is cool. I don't see any of them at twelve though, Scott. I don't I don't see that guy. I see late first round pick caliber interview defensive lineman, which is fine. But at twelve overall, I, I like I saw a mock with Byron Murphy going eleven. I, I don't see that uh by any means.
2: Yeah, I'm already forgetting names. Jalen Carter and who was the big dude before him from Georgia? The monster. Oh, Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This would be interesting. I don't even know if I see a Jordan Davis right now.
1: I think Chavondre Sweat can be the nose tackle because Jordan Davis
2: had issues with I want Chavondre Sweat in like the third.
1: I think probably mid third. Yep. Yeah. I think Jordan Davis is overdrafted though, personally, mm-hmm. and not to be too far ahead, but uh, I think there's three defensive tackles in the 2025 class that are better than any of them in this upcoming class. We have a whole year of football to watch, so that can change. Uh, but Walker at Kentucky and both Graham and Grant at Michigan and get guys to watch next year for defensive tackles. You know me. I love those DTs. So uh, I'm already a yeah, Trenches, already
2: trenches, trenches. Listen, we went over to nfldraftbuzz.com. I kind of ran through it, and I like the way it looked. It's going to be a little bit different look. And for those of you watching and listening, we'll still try and do as much uh, audio can, but it says we're doing warp speed. We're going to go through seven rounds. Why not? Uh, the randomness is even in the trade value chart. We've turned trades off. Trade okay. Trading back for me is just way too addictive. Yep. and it's it's not realistic to me how easy it is it's like oh move down two spots and pick up another uh, a 2025 first rounder yes please um i end up with you know six 2025 first round picks and that's just not realistic so we've got trades turned off for this one we're choosing the broncos uh we're going warp speed we'll go random to two and then we hit um Enter chart enter here. We go. Enter draft, which brings up this board. And they've got Marvin Harrison Jr. as their number one overall pick. And then we can go to start draft. Trade. I thought I turned off trade offers. Oh, it I reset. Let me reset this, y'all. I'm apologize. As soon as I think I maybe it's the team,
1: like everybody else trading, maybe uh disappears. Oh, you know, as soon as there.
2: I clicked on the Broncos, it reset everything up there. Huh. Broncos warp seven round two. Broncos. Enter draft and start draft. Yeah, see, that's better. You are on the clock. My availables are right here. They've got Latsu Latsu at seven. They've got Jaden Daniels here. I mean, Jaden Daniels got skipped. Dallas Turner, Nate Wiggins, Jared Verse. Talise Fuaga. I mean, do we do we follow the board and do a mock? I mean, maybe it happens. I mean, you take Jaden Daniels here.
1: Can we scroll down a little bit too just to see if there's anybody that's underappreciated. I think JC Latham is an option here. We talked about Byron Murphy just a bit ago. Uh, Terry and Arnold is very much an option here as well. I really like Marius Mims and he got Bo Nix.
2: Um, they took Michael now, six overall.
1: Yeah. Dumb. That's not happening. Let's, I think we have to, let's just pretend that Jaden Daniels is off the board here because I know that he's available in this, but like, it's, it's, I think it's so <laughs> unlikely that it's just, it ruins the whole thing for me. I know like, I got well, Drake, May at 12. No, you didn't. No, yeah. you did he commit what a, what a felony? A no, you didn't. Uh, so I think on this one, we talked about it earlier. Edge rusher is so valuable for the Broncos, they need an edge. I'm more of the offensive minded side of things covering this team right now. Uh, but I think that uh, Brock Bauer is going to is unfortunate. But I think that Dallas Turner is the pick here for me, uh, excluding Jaden Daniels off the board. Uh, he is the most. Athletically gifted of the top three edge rushers. Layatu Latu. I just having a hard time with his athletic profile, Scott. I'm gonna be honest. Uh, but Turner, I think, has the most upside value and is a, a three down player as well. Think so
2: there's a chance in hell Sean Payton passes on a quarterback here.
1: Is there a chance? Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a there's a very good chance they pass from some from some people covering the Broncos that I trust pretty well. Um now Sean Payton's been a little bit tighter lips mm-hmm. than George Payton than then John Elway as well, but uh I think there's a pretty darn good chance the Broncos bypass quarterback. I think your quarterback move is probably going to happen free agency or trade. Uh, okay. Before yeah, I like it, I just,
2: yeah, I would go, I would go Dallas. Or I mean, I'd go trade Jane, Jane Daniels, but yeah. I would go Dallas Turner or I would go Bo Nix. I think there's a
1: conversation for, just for, for what
2: I think the Broncos would do. What I would do, I wouldn't want Bo Nixon at 12 but I just don't know if Sean Payton's going to have the patience. I don't think he's going to embrace a rebuild and and have the patience to do this, which is why you said free agency trade possibly.
1: He has never had a uh, rookie quarterback. So I just, I I don't know. We haven't had to, you know? Yeah. Yep. Um, But uh, yeah, no, let's go with a Dallas Turner.
2: That doesn't feel like warp speed. Oh, we're not doing, we're not doing, uh, Seven rounds of the speed. No, we're, not we're not doing seven rounds like this. That's a promise. We'll do nope. two rounds. Well, we don't even have time and to we're do done. two rounds.
1: <laughs> so let's see what the chat says because we do got to get going. I got a yeah, doctor's appointment. Uh,
2: we'll we'll, hit, we'll hit the chat while uh, while that thing's scrolling through there.
1: Troy says, stop with the Bonex Bo stuff. Only an idiot would take Nicks at 12. There's value for Nicks at 12. I totally get it um, because he can be a competent quarterback. Uh, you're not an idiot. It's There's going to be a lot of interesting conversation. Conga says, please restore. We're going to have a plenty plenty of enough time to go over different mocks guys. So not a big deal, but yeah, I think the Broncos with how it worked there, uh, Dallas Turner, Fuaga and Terry and Arnold are the, uh, the biggest options uh, in my opinion. I think there is going to be a conversation more for uh, Fuaga than we let on there. Cause again, I think that the offensive line is something that it sounds like the Broncos are really looking heavily at and uh bulls might be gone. Uh, but Dallas Turner, I think probably gone by 12. And if he's there, Makes a lot of sense because you just you need athletes and bodies on the defensive front. You just don't have those guys right now. And Turner might be the best one of the lot.
2: Yeah, again, and if I'd be looking really heavily at offensive tackle, depending on what bowl. So free agency is going to tell us a lot. We're doing all this stuff before free agency. It could change a ton yep. um, based on what we're going to do. So I got the Broncos back up at uh, at pick 76. And you see some of the players there. There's your guy. You want to get heavy right there.
1: I mean, I'm not against it here. The uh, the background is okay. It's unfortunate the Broncos just took uh, Drew Sanders because Edron Cooper is a hell of a player. Uh, huge fan of him as well. Uh, let's keep scrolling down. Malachi Corley really stands out for me here, as does yeah, Roman you Wilson. bet on the upside
2: on a guy like Johnny Wilson, who's 6'6 and change, 237 pounds and fluid. I think he's more of a round 4
1: kind of guy. There's been a lot of talk about him transferring to a uh, to tight end as mm-hmm. well. So I I'm, I'm not as in on Johnny Wilson compared to the other two wide receivers that we saw on the list here. If you're talking quarterback, I think Spencer Rattler's in the conversation here uh for the Broncos if you're talking quarterback. Uh let's keep scrolling down a little bit. Um
2: Zinter no, Stover no, Tyler Davis like no. We've been talking Jabon Bullard. I like Tyke Smith. Yeah. I think he's someone to watch here in the middle for a, a safety, the team that needs a safety. Y'all keep an eye on Tykey Smith out of Georgia.
1: Yeah, I I think with how this uh, this board fell here, um, the options are either, uh, obviously, Chavondre Sweat. We can go with Chavondre Sweat. That'd be a lot of fun with me. Or it would be...
2: No, we're uh, not doing or. We're taking Sweat.
1: <laughs> okay, because it would have been Corley or Roman Wilson uh, also. And we had Corley yeah. come off the board at the very next pick. Um, so those are very talented options there for the Broncos. Broncos need to figure out how to get more picks. Uh it's yeah. just it's it's rough. Um, so pretty fun um to see the Broncos. You got Dallas Turner and Tavandra Sweat. You know how long we talked about the Broncos needing to add bodies and difference there makers? You, go. Well.
2: you just got an, a, a big influx of talent. Your first downs just changed dramatically mm-hmm. with those two guys. You're you're hopefully you're looking at second and nines a lot more often.
1: Yep. Do worry about some of the weight stuff at altitude with sweat, but uh, mm-hmm. you know. Mid
2: third round. He's a that... first and second down player, and I can do that in the third round. We yep. said you can get defensive tackle if they're difference makers, then then they're worth their weight in gold. Maybe even more than that, actually. yeah, You know, <laughs> as exp- as much as people are getting paid. Gold's not worth as much as what somebody weighs anymore. Yeah. Um so big guys. Yeah. Um, but uh you can get guys that can help you a lot in the interior lines of scrimmage and on on day two.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Well, um and a lot of fun Re- in the
2: fourth. Yeah,
1: that's that's a great uh I think that's worth a shot there. Even if he just ends up being a backup quarterback, uh he's got enough uh yeah. upside and arm to- oh now it's moving fast. Did you change it or
2: no? It's it it scrolls to it does a page quickly, so it's oh, it's weird. weird. Huh. So it like pages down. All right. Well, here's
1: your uh, Tyreek Smith.
2: Yeah, we Ty-key. were talking about Tyke Smith. Tyke, excuse me. Um you know this would be a good spot to pick up another wide receiver also um you know jordan travis could be someone to watch here we took a quarterback though i know i know i'm just saying in general you know for when we're, when we're doing this um when this happens for real that's a guy to keep an eye on as a developmental guy that might need a red shirt year but you know for a safety do we need a safety yeah we need a safety um, team, even if work. you re-sign pj Locke, i think and then depend on what you do with Simmons, but you need three right now. You've got one. I, I don't, yeah. I can't count on Caden Stearns. And if I get Caden Stearns, then, then great. But uh, I, I, I kind of like Tyke Smith here. Um, yeah. look, that's not a bad spot for um, Utah offense to tackle. Um, for the guys I know here, you know, I don't know everybody here. But um, I haven't watched Eichenberg at linebacker. You know, there's some some people that are that are talking for him. You know, again, I just mentioned non-premium positions like inside linebacker. You can get some guys that can make a difference for you here. Safety also- and inside linebacker in round four. I can get starters.
1: There's also a bunch of different running back options uh, as well that could fit the uh, the mold that you're looking for with the pass catcher. Yeah, we know how much we've. Dejounte pass-
2: Edwards has elite hands. Wow, no, he's not even Watching him, just he's catching balls like, like a baseball player, like backhanding one hands out there. Yeah, looking
1: at the board here though for running back, there's so many guys that I still like that I probably yeah. would pass. Um, I love uh, Allen. I love the New Hampshire guy. Um, like Jalen Wright, Frank. Jalen Wright might be my favorite back in the entire. Michael class, Wiley but...
2: has good hands too. Yeah, we don't need to take a running back yet.
1: Um, and then uh, one guy that's a really interesting option, he's a wide receiver running back option, but uh, Tyrone Tracy um, from Purdue was a Shrine Bowl star. Uh, and he's, you know, six foot, 210 pounds. Uh, he's really interesting. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not against taking the top offensive lineman here on this we'll
2: one. I like him at guard.
1: Let's go with uh, um, Satoa. We go. We could go... Uh, Tykee Smith. You, you want to go OL
2: or you want to go safety? Let's go.
1: Let's go safety because I got to get out of here because we got the uh, I got a baby appointment to get on the road to too.
2: All right. Yeah. I think it's maybe it does, Way too this, long to get to the end here. So it slows we down. In the first in the first four rounds, we took Dallas Turner, Edge, Tavondre Sweat, Spencer Rattler, and Tyke Smith. That helps a lot on defense, y'all. That's that's yep. a lot. And then you take a shot. Who you know maybe Spencer Rattler can become something. And you get lucky.
1: Yeah, I mean that's again, and I yeah, Jalen Wright is probably my favorite back in the class um from Tennessee if you get a chance to watch him. But a lot of fun. Uh talk about that. We'll figure out more of the simulator stuff as we get going. But yeah, quarterback, if not there, edge rusher and offensive tackle, just given the value of the spots, probably my where I'd cast my my vote uh for the Broncos. So, and this is a good conversation for another day. Uh talking about trading for Mac Jones. I don't think you're trading Sutton for him specifically, but uh that's a Mac Jones is definitely somebody. But he to consider, did say Joe. in a
2: pick, so we'll send you Mac Jones in a fourth for Sutton. Mm, no, again, when when, I, when I've talked about would you would you work out quarterback X? Yeah, I would. I'm not paying for him though. I'm not paying anything for Mac Jones. Would I have him come in for a cup of coffee and maybe a workout? Sure. Why not? Yeah. Zero yeah. risk. I like zero risk. Day three um, pick swap. That's what we're
1: yeah, talking would about. Would I do here. that
2: with Zach Wilson? Sure. You know, again, a day three pick swap makes sense. Why not have them come yeah. in? I need to cast my net far and wide. That doesn't mean yeah. I'm paying for any of these guys, but yeah, I'd, yeah, yeah. I'd be on the lookout. I'd be scouring the earth for available quarterbacks.
1: Yep. Uh, shotgun approach, unfortunately, if you don't like a guy at 12. Scatter so I appreciate shotgun. everyone today. We'll be live again on Monday. Make sure you're following Scott and I on Twitter. Scott is at scout Kennedy. I'm at Nick Kendall, MHH. Also follow us at mile high huddle as well as facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle and facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle pod. And of course, subscribe to us on YouTube, like our show and share on your social media platforms. Scott, one final question. We got the Michael Bronchio here. Super Bowl. I am going to go. I just, I feel like Kansas City Chiefs are inevitable. I don't even know if I'm going to watch. I'm just so bitter right now. Natalie's like, I'd keep sighing around the house. And she's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, the goddamn Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> like it's, it's like, oh my gosh, Nick, you gotta get over it. I'm like, I'm just so tired of them. So I think the Chiefs are gonna win because I picked against them, I keep picking against them, and I keep being wrong. So yeah, it's, it's we're, we're gonna, gonna do win.
2: our best to curse them. I'm the same way. I picked the Bills, I picked the Ravens. I'm not picking against the Chiefs again. No, nope. their defense is keeping them in games. And if Patrick Mahomes gets hot, then then they'll they'll win. Um, I think San Francisco's got the better roster, but the Chiefs have that it factor, that experience factor, and I'm not picking against the Chiefs again. So I'm going to do the best thing I can for Broncos country and pick the Chiefs. The
1: Chiefs have the better quarterback, and they have the better defense right now, which is crazy to say because fortinander has got a pretty good line, but the Chiefs are playing better defense this season. just is what it is. Uh, So appreciate everyone. Hopefully we're wrong. (laughs) Who knows? Uh, But... Have a great one. Continue to choose kindness, compassion. Have a great weekend. Go Broncos.
0: Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. Good morning, Broncos country.